Welcome to the Irish Stand podcast. I think it's our Christmas special. My name's Aon O'Reardon. Hooray! I'm Lisa Tierney-Kyo. And we're overthrowing Trump from a small studio on the north side. John Casey is there giving it socks with the buttons. And we are here uh, with thanks to Near FM and Nearcast. And we have a packed show for you. Packed show! <laughs> yeah. We're going to do what we want this week. Yeah. I think yeah. I'm completely saturated like the brain is can't just done anymore. from I can't take any more this year can't like my brain more. is saying sorry we're powering down for US yeah, politics and it's Irish true. America for this year like CNN I just can't take any more of it I just I just turn it on and I can't take all the I can't actually take all the number numbers of guests that they have yeah, on well, their panels I mean you shouldn't be watching CNN anyway did you ever see Veep did you ever see Veep there's I a did. Great, there's, it's brilliant it is brilliant but there's watch Veep everybody um and there's a scene where, you know, there's, there's a scene from CNN, a mock scene from CNN. They have like 18 panelists yeah. all in different. And that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And it's also boring. The night of the midterms, <sighs> they had Andrew Cuomo's brother on, who was, I mean, oh my goodness. Chris, Chris Cuomo. I don't know what his name is. He's Snorfest. Snorfest. But that's all he, he can, like I guess he can go and get really here. You can't get chap. M- MSNBC here or then it's Fox News. I mean, who's who's doing that? And then you start off the coverage of the midterms, you get all excited and the polls are closing and then they have nothing to say for seven hours. I feel like the midterms happened 25 years ago. Like that's like... It's they're still counting the results. Why, why, why is Trump still tweeting about candidates who have just won or not won? Are they still counting the results? Because he's as mad as a bucket of snakes and he just... He, that's not, sorry, Americans, that's not a genuine phrase. It is. It's snakes. A bucket no. of snakes is known to be mad. No, I'm writing these down. You can't say top of the morning to you and you cannot say mad as mad a, a of bucket of snakes. No. Okay. Uh, right. Well, I just can't take any more number one fresh item. hells. Number one item. Well, here's here's the thing. Because we are here actually to overthrow Trump and I... I think we're doing a great job. I, will, I, I think once we're winning. I once a time caught him, uh, caught him a fascist. It turns out that Lisa Tierney, co- Lisa Tierney kills granny once stands for Hitler. Well, yeah. I think she did. That was that was the lore. I mean, maybe she didn't dance for Hitler, like just Hitler. She was in a, an Irish dancing troupe, but she yeah. wasn't the only one. So I did a walking tour around my constituency part of the world there on um, on uh, on last Saturday, and uh, it was we were going to a graveyard where Tom Johnson is buried. Tom Johnson wrote the Democratic program with the first doll. Wake up, everybody! I'm going to tell you the rest of the story. And uh, <laughs> also in the graveyard was Maureen Potter. And I, I was mentioning this to somebody. He said, yeah, do you know she, she danced for Hitler? I said, no way she danced for Hitler. Sure enough, apparently yeah. that she was a champion Irish dancer yeah. uh, when she was young. And a Irish dancing troupe went to So was my Berlin, granny. And my your, granny, your granny was, was, a, was, a, was a champion Irish dancer as there well. So, I mean, and my dad knows more or knew Maureen Potter. So maybe... Maybe. Maybe. Maybe it's maybe true. Also, I'm connected to fascists also, also, more than I know. Also, Hitler's brother... Was uh, was a barman in the Shelburne for years. And isn't it great that we're having conversations about Hitler? Thanks, Trump. Like we're having like well, regular. Co- I like, think it's more to do with your granny. Yeah. Being, no. you know, she don't should be, be a little bit her. more discerning as to who she danced in front yeah. of. In fairness. Yeah. Maybe. I yeah. Don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. So that's the first thing. That's okay, that so tick. Check. Okay. Tick that off. <laughs> okay. The list. But the this main is a Christmas thing, bundle. The of main joy. thing we're talking about today is the fact that Lisa Tierney-Kyo is now. Uh, has has had a play how do you say how do you use the terminology you're getting a play done <laughs> I'm getting me played it <laughs> get, you're, <laughs> you're play done on the Abbey stage the National yeah. Irish Theatre the most famous theatre in the most famous land for theatre stuff in the English language ever yeah. anywhere it's a pretty amazing achievement I think it's awesome that awesome people are winning and Lisa Tierney-Kyo is clearly an awesome person and next September your own play written by you is going to be on the Abbey stage that's pretty amazing it is yeah. called This Beautiful Village 
Wow. Yeah. What's it about, Lisa? Oh, my God. I hate that question now, so we're, much. We're and because this is a podcast, I can say, I hate that question. No. Do you? Uh, yeah, I do. I don't like answering that question, but I do have to you answer You know question it. I hate? What? Who are you with? What does that mean? When you're knocking a door. Oh, and really? Yeah, you, you're knocking a door and you're running for election and you say, all right, I'm A on the rear down and, and this, this is what I want to do and here's my beliefs. And who they say, with? who are you with? Oh, so yeah, I've got, <laughs> what's it about? You go, who are you with? Anything could happen. <laughs> Once you utter the words, you know, Labour Party. Oh, anything, really? Anything could literally happen. Anyway, this isn't about me. This, this is about, about you. you. But, but nice pivot. Um, yeah, no, the play is about power and men and women and about the the effects of power structures on and, and women in Ireland and how it's hurting them and women across the world and uh, it is set over 90 minutes straight through no scene break there's six characters no half time no half time there's I don't do half time that's what North Star is called an interval go yeah well, no, so that's what I called an interval and I, really? grew up in th- I, I grew up in a theatre family and I still call it half time brilliant yeah well always. done well done you I've never called it an interval have you not no good um, so there's no half time and uh, yeah it's Probably the closest thing to um, me, my true, my true voice that I have written to date, and I am very excited about it. It was launched last night officially. So we're very lucky to have you here. We are very lucky to have me here. Mm-hmm. Um, it was launched in the uh, Peacock Theatre last night. But it's not on the Peacock. She's very, she's very, very. <laughs> she's going to stress that. But it's not on the Peacock. I'm just. I'm not, no, the peacock. I'd be happy it's with not the Peacock. peacock. I'd be happy. happy. The actual yeah. Abby, the real I, one. I'd be happy. I'd be delighted with either. Right. Um, but there was a massive. <laughs> <laughs> there was a massive uh, launch oh, really? last night. So if they said if they got a phone call tomorrow, said actually it's in, it's in the Peacock. Sorry about that. You go. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd say thank you for the opportunity. Anyway, it's going on the Abbey Main stage, you giant shitster. <laughs> and uh, um, and this, there was this is not this is like not your in any way your first play. This is no, this is not. I think this is my eighth or ninth play. Like you're a genuine playwright. This is what you do. Apparently so, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know what? It's a long time coming. And uh, when I was under commission at the Abbey before the current directors, who are amazing, um, the previous director had a had a record going of something like he was programming 15% women mm. which um, is not representative of the population of Ireland this is, fi- this is fake McNeil yes yep. and uh, and so then I got involved in Waking the Feminists would that have been any less than your average theatre or just so kind of yeah they all they all suck they all suck yeah okay. and like you know people have been talking about this for years but the the reason that numbers matters because if you put numbers and personal testimony together that's really powerful well, you see, and that's why Waking the Feminist was yeah, so powerful well tell me about Waking the Feminist because um, this is partly how I got to know you I was actually at the launch of the East of the 1916 program because mm. I was minister in the Department of Arts at the time and I was there and hands up I didn't. I didn't twig it. I you didn't, didn't twig it. No. I didn't twig it. No. That's because. Well, that, that's the whole point of unconscious yeah. bias is you don't see it. I didn't see it, and uh, I remember making a speech. I used to. <laughs> I used to quote Churchill at all these events. When, when you when you're a kind of a minister, you you tend to make a lot of speeches and you tend to say a lot of the thing, same things a lot of the time. And if something you say kind of resonates with one group, you tend to try and um, repeat it the other time. But anyway, this quote from Churchill: apparently, he was advised to cut the Department of Arts during the Second World War, and he said, "No, yeah. if I cut to the Department of Arts, I don't know what we're fighting for." What are we for. fighting for? Yeah. So I kept on quoting Churchill at these 1916 events. Which you know, on one level, was a bit quirky. Um, <laughs> but anyway, did you have a cigar? Uh-huh. Did you have a cigar when no, you were doing? No, 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 I don't smoke. So, um, 
so yeah, so so that was fine, and the, and the and the and the launch went, and then literally all hell broke loose, and it was all hell broke loose, but it was as if a dam broke, or you know, it was, it was the straw that broke the camel, and there was an event. Was it a few weeks later. Yeah, it was two and, weeks and later. And in fairness to Fiat, you know, because we have criticised uh, his stewardship in terms of the female representation of of the productions in the Abbey, he was facilitated. He facilitated that. that he that, didn't have any choice. In a, fairness, yeah, and he was fair there, play to him, and he didn't have a choice. And he, t- and he took it on board. But I remember just watching, you know, woman after woman coming on stage and talking about their experiences mm-hmm. and. I was I was overwhelmed mm-hmm. by the the anger and the mm-hmm. hurt yeah. and uh, that that was just being exposed to me. So, gee, this this, well, is, this, this is, is not a once off. This, this, is, well, this, this is this isn't about one program. No, it's of not. Events. And it, and it's been going on. And like this, it, you know, we are at the beginning of we're about a year or so into a global conversation about how women are treated and how women are represented in the world as a whole. And a huge part of what my play is about is those little unconscious biases that you're talking about is that people don't see the power that they have. They don't see the privilege that they have and they don't like genuinely don't see that an entire program contains all male voices and does not have a woman. Mm. Because frankly, the way we've been conditioned is that women are second class citizens, that they basically are an afterthought. Mm. That is the way. And for and, and for better or for worse, some men will come, some men will, uh, and women, women can be part of this too. People come to this, some people will accept it and go, oh my God, that's terrible. We should do something about that. And some people will be like, get really defensive because they feel a lot of shame about it. And what my play is about is effectively about that, those power dynamics. Like ten, And like, you don't, when you're talking about power and discrimination and, and, um, and biases, you, people tend to think about like big government structures, but it happens every day. Like it happens if you go to buy a cup of coffee. It happens if you you get on a bus or like last night I was in a bar after the lunch and a guy walked by and just made the most disgusting comment to my father about me to my father. And it was like this guy was 22 and he just felt this sense of ownership over me that he could just make this. Do you comment. want me to ask you what the comment was? Yeah. Well, it was it involves cursing. He walked by and he goes, she's as hot as fuck to my dad. What? And it was re- revolting. And I was talking to my friend afterwards and my dad goes, that's my daughter. It took us both by surprise. But the point was that this kid, he was a kid. He was 22 or 21, maybe even younger. He felt that he could he could address the man in the conversation. That's what makes it more depressing. Oh, exactly. Um, He was also drinking a a pint with a straw. Single use plastic. Right. Which is a bad thing. It was... The, like it was just such so he was obviously drunk so I, I think I've, I think I've just uh, undermined the seriousness of that but, but like a little quip about single use plastic like if the guy was 66 you'd go it'd be completely unacceptable for that mm-hmm. remark but you kind of one level go you know something's too late for that guy he's too late for him he's all of he's these ex- yeah, experiences it. in his life and uh, he grew up in a, in, a, in a in a toxic culture which is all warped and you have to challenge that but like but the kid is 22. Yeah. You think he's been through a whole heap of cleansing referenda over the last number of years. Mm-hmm. So you think would have woken up his brain to mm. a new sense of equality. No. And, and what he did was he said it to my father. And as he walked by me, so he managed to objectify me, um, diminish me, dehumanize me in one fell swoop and then treat me like I was some sort of property. And I'm twice his age. And I just, I, I, it was, I, it was, yeah. it was, and I was talking to my, to my friend about it afterwards. I said, like, w- w- you know, as a feminist, like, 
you know, you want to think that you're going to react like, but if I had done anything with that guy, if I had reacted in any way, he would have got aggressive. Right. So this is what I'm talking about with power. But that's, is that, he has that, a power because he's by from, virtue from of the fact that just he, last night. What? That's it's just a, last night. Just last night. And th- so th- this that oh. tells me how much work we have to do. I was on the football trip once, right? And there's this and the problem with football trips sometimes is that guys decide that they are the wag. They are the you know, I'm away from home and I'm I'm the funny one, you know? And there's something about guys who aren't really football people but they're there for the weekend and they're trying to be the football funny guy, right? Like if you're naturally football funny, you know, it works. But if you're trying to pu- Anyway, he kept on saying to this girl, When we, when are we gonna when are we gonna change jerseys? When are we gonna change jerseys, right? To this girl in front of everybody, mm. right? This sort of young woman. And he just kept on saying it in a kind of a laughy kind of a way. And he made everybody, well, around me feel uncomfortable. He made the woman feel uncomfortable. It was just a, a joke. And I thought to myself, this is going to be the abiding memory that this young woman has of this trip. Mm-hmm. It's this older guy, old enough to be her father, saying, when are we going to swap jerseys? And and that's, but the thing is, yeah, Aon, a, you know, he thinks that that's benign. Kind of he thinks it's benign. It's sure, it's just joking, really whatever. sexual has kind of, no, you know. And what this comes comment. from is a place where women are property and have been property since the beginning of time and we are viewed as second class citizens and what it's 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 shown up in the sloppiness of the cervical check where women have women have died it shows up in 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 mother and baby homes how this woman gets pregnant she's she's a quote unquote fallen woman she's locked away or her children are taken away from her women have had to travel to a different country to access health care because women are viewed as second class citizens it's can't we see you can't trust them really you that, can't, well, that's, that's it. The un- you can't that's really that's trust the underlying the thing is that like the narrative that women are liars and that you can't trust them, and that's a very powerful narrative. And there's a whole there's a conversation happening right now that I'm, or maybe it's been going on for a while, but I've just tuned into it. You know, when people talk about the particularly pertaining to sexual violence in the judicial system, yeah. which is failing women and survivors, like across the board, myself included, and. People talk about, oh, the system isn't bro- the system is broken. The system is not broken. The system was built this way. The system, quote unquote, was the judicial system, which basically kind of rules how we how society operates in terms of like good and bad and lawful and illegal is built to protect men. And it's built to make women out to be liars to and to keep them oppressed. And it's also, you know, uh, it's also uh, there's a race element in it as well obviously in this country we were, we're only new because we've been a predominantly yeah. white country until mm-hmm. recently but the system is not broken the system was built this way and when you talk about dismantling things like in terms of from my corner of the world like writing a play that goes on the national theatre stage is a really big deal not just because like it feels like personal fulfilment but that's a contribution to my society like there has been the the Abbey has a history of doing big political acts like it has a it has a political history of course um and part of what this play what i want this to say is to point at this that like the system isn't broken it was built this way and we need to undo it and i think a lot of people are going to come to my play and they're going to relate to it they're going to feel seen like oh yes that's me i feel like this like you know women are going to come and they might see it and I think some men are going to come and get defensive and 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 get upset. Yeah. I mean, it's also very funny. You can buy tickets, please do. <laughs> um, but it's abbeytheatre.ie, I think. Is it abbeytheatre.ie? Yeah, abbeytheatre.ie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. um, it's 
it's it's a moment I've re- and what I'm trying to do is write about this moment that we're in where we're we're ac- we're starting to actually now get to the conversation. We had a we had a conference um a couple of years ago about gender equality in was it business? Gender equality in business, I think. And Rachel Lizer stood up and made a contribution about the fact that I think it's seventy five percent of the filmmakers are male. So Ireland's story is being told by men. Mm-hmm. And so fifteen percent of the productions are are being made are, are female written or produced or whatever. Um so Ireland's story is still a majority being told about men through a men through a male lens. Right? Now, do you are you encouraged by the changes you've seen since Waking the Feminist? Because Waking the Feminist had a very start, middle and end mm. process. It's yeah. not an ongoing thing. Yeah. It's done now. It's, it's yeah. had its... Yeah, no, we said we're only going to do it for a year. Yeah, it's had its say and, and some, some structures were put in place and things have, I feel, have improved. But um, do you feel things have improved then? In because some, do, do in be, some people, places, have yes. Have people internalised the reasons as to why this is important? I think some people have taken them on board. But I sat in a bar last night and I had a guy speak to me like that. He didn't even speak to me like what I've just told you about that guy. We're still we still have a long way to go. Like and I, I know these things sound like they're separate. Just give me a second. Bear with me here. Some institutions have taken on board the, you know, the the stuff that we highlighted with Waking the Feminists and some of them haven't. And some of them are checking boxes. And at the end of the day, while that that's important, it's also really important that the message that we're sending out into culture, into our culture, is about different stories, about things other, that that are about other than men, so that men like what I met in the bar last night learn not to not to be like that, that they learn about like he he what he's probably learned is I would like that, that I would like that because they're the stories he's been told. So it's really important that our cultural institutions pay attention to this and and program and fund um, women writers, women designers, women, anything creative by women so that we can tell different stories because it will actually have an impact on our culture. And maybe it'll mean less, uh, less, less violence against women. Maybe it'll, I don't know. I don't have I don't I'm not an expert in that. I can just say that the stories that we tell our young people are really important. And the people who are given money by the government have a responsibility to make sure that the stories they're telling are proportionate to the population. So bringing this back to the States and stuff, and we, and we spoke last week about the new female candidates who have been successful or are running for election, and similar to 1992 after Anita Hill. What is the impact then of having somebody like Donald Trump being the moral... I mean, Americans do look at their presence as being some kind of a moral compass. Mm. What is the impact of of him being in that office? And may I also say, because I was watching this Clinton affair thing on Netflix, uh, and that guy, I mean, I know, you know, when you're kind of of left-wing persuasion and you're looking at Trump and you hate everything he stands for, but when you do any kind of analysis of the oh, way no, Bill, he totally Bill, abuses Bill Clinton yeah. has, has behaved as Attorney General of Arkansas, as Governor of Arkansas, mm-hmm as a presidential candidate, as president. Mm. A number of really troubling things come to light. And then, you know, he, uh, Hillary Clinton's asked about them and you're, you are pretty underwhelmed as to what her response is. So, 
you know, I don't know, I don't even know what my question is, but like, well, how does that impact on your view of the states or your view of the political system in the states, and how does that filter down to what you're trying to achieve? Well, in I your think. Writing? Well, let's talk about women because you were just asking about the, the impact of waking the feminists and all the women yeah. that have run. I am, as a woman, I am looking at all these women who have been elected, and on the one hand, I'm like, this is brilliant, and this must be celebrated, and on the other hand, I'm filled with despair and depression about it because it's so it's still nowhere close to where it needs to be to be in in an equal society I I don't know that I don't know when or if America will ever hit that point what I do know because we've seen it is that we can affect change in Ireland it's a small enough country Mm. with and the way our democracy is structured that you know, we've seen it with the marriage equality referendum. We've seen it with um, the Eighth Amendment referendum. Changes can be made. Big changes can be made. So I actually do believe it can happen in this country. America is such a big country. I just don't know that it can ever get to the mountaintop. Um, okay. I think it'll be the journey of America forever. I think that's its that's its existential journey. And the, and the influence of having people like Clinton and uh, and Trump. And what they are. It's so depressing. Well, like, look, it depends on like, like you know, I, I lived I lived in America under Trump for a year and a half. And uh, there were days where you just got you felt so worn down. And I am, quote unquote, a middle class white woman over there. Can you imagine what it's like to wake up with black or brown skin in America and have to get up and go through your day and, and deal with the the the, the oppression and the systemic, like, just you know, the systemic oppression and the hatred and just the bile that's coming at you every day, every single day, that's got to wear you down. Like, it's wearing people down. My, my wife was working in the States at the time. And she said she remembers it was action night. An African-American security guard who didn't have access to a television who was looking for updates. And a Latino uh, cleaning lady with a bucket looking on a monitor looking for updates as well her English wasn't great assuming that Trump was never going to win yeah and she had to, she was the person almost like going to a house with a bereavement mm. telling these two people that America had basically told them to F off yeah you're less than and she has this image etched into her brain of this woman with a with a bucket and a mop you know clearly of Central American extraction um, looking at this monitor horrified about what was unfolding and looking for somebody to cling to to tell mm. her that it was actually not really happening yeah and and all you just had to say, tell her that he would tell her that, that he was Trump was getting elected by the people of America and it's it's so demoralizing at, in best case scenario it's demor- like you're doing well if demoralized demoralized is what you're getting because what a lot of people are getting is physically hurt, um, discriminated against and like are suffering economically or suffering, you know, family, like families are getting separated. There is like how... And, how, and tear gassed. And, te- and now fucking tear gassed. And I've I've had to tune out since the midterms. I've had to like be very selective about what I tune into with Donald Trump because I really do believe that you can burn yourself out and you need to like we, we really do need to take care of ourselves and each other, particularly in this moment. But I did hear that he had said that the people running away with the children were not even their parents. 
and that this this is a narrative that would somehow be acceptable. Because when I see when I see tear gas and I see children running away from that, it is it is for me, it is the bottom of the barrel. It is the absolute. It's it's the freshest hell. It's just that 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 you can do that to children and you can be OK with it. I was tear gassed once. It's probably the most terrifying thing I've ever, ever experienced. When were you tear gassed? Um, it was at Genoa. It was 2002, was it? Um, and it was uh, Drop the Debt uh, campaign oh for, the, for the G8. And we were just part of, a, 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 part of a, a march and there was a skirmish and I was on the edge of it and the tear gas. And it's just a mass panic. Yeah. And it makes your eyes itch. You can't see. You're completely confused. You're looking around yourself to find somebody who might be able to help you out. Um, Imagine that happening to your daughter to or child. to my daughter. To a child. To do that... Now, and that, that's why now, I despair. Th- I can't even I can't even speak as to there was a level of sort of a level of violence, a level of agitation, a level a level of far left people looking for a route. Mm. Uh, people can contact me and say that I'm wrong if you want, but I know what I saw. There was there was people who were who were there yeah. to cover their faces and, and crack windows and stuff. I'm not saying that tear gas is justifiable. But that was, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's what the, the Italian police or the Carbonari would were, 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 were justify their actions of being. But uh, I know I wasn't breaking a window or the people around me weren't. But anyway, um, but the idea that, that that a child, if there's children around us, I'm quite sure the Italian authorities would have been lambasted mm. for, for doing that. But that's kind of Italy and Berlusconi. I think, I think, I think America has lost regard for human life frankly and I think that all of this shit about taking away abortion rights and like you know the, 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 the rights of an unborn child like when you when you're at a level where you you are you are accepting and not resisting and, and that's condemning a control, that's a control thing it's all about control Absolute if you're control. if you're not as condemning born, this then you are a, yeah, yeah it's obsession with it's, the unborn it's bullshit it's all about power it's about power over power over a woman power over a body pa- just retaining power at all costs and that's what my play is about. It's not. It's power everywhere. Power is corrupting everything and everywhere, and it's destroying. It's destroying us, and we have to. You have to stand up to it. Like when you see abuses of power, and they happen every day in this country. Like I'm since I've come home, people have been saying, "Oh my God, you know, you're home, and like this place is in a mess." And I'm like, oh, "No, seriously, I've just come from America." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, it's bad there." And I'm like, "No, no, you don't understand. It's really bad over there, and we have to fight like hell to make sure that it never gets within a hair's breadth of what it's like over there." People don't understand how bad it is in America, but over here, and that's good. I'm glad that people over here had their their baseline is higher because it should be higher. We should be. We should be. We should be fighting for the most vulnerable people in our communities. We're in the middle. I mean, we're in the middle of a bloody. Ma- I I turn. Okay, I stop watching CNN. Okay, I'm gonna stop watching CNN Good. and I turn on BBC and I turn on Newsnight. And what do I see? Another cluster feck of Brexit shenanigans happening night after night, which is a complete right wing, small minded, tough uh, conspiracy theory that has just become a reality. Oh, it's a mess. You know, and. Uh, uh, and people can't even see it, you know. You see, you see the the bloody Labour Party in in Britain, a completely incapable of, of 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 having a different vision, who are buying into this because they're so afraid, or their leader is so afraid, uh, of actually standing for something, which is in contrast to this effective conservative mutiny over the, over 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 decency mm. uh, in, in Britain. 
And you're sitting looking at both these things going, these are the two great English-speaking powers of the world. Yeah. And we're sitting in the middle of the two of them. These are cultural icons. Yeah. People look towards these yeah. uh, two, two, you know, empires. The world picks up what America and England put down. Yeah, a lot. Right? So if that's what they're putting down, that's what, like, people are picking it, it up. It's completely swallowed up. They're not talking about anything else. They're not talking about the NHS. They're not talking about education. They're not talking about poverty. They're not talking There's about no housing. There's no money. There's no money in that. They're There's no power in that. They're just talking about bloody Brexit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? This is, and um, there's my, my wild um, sweeping generalization, but this is... This the, is what we do on the show. This is we what do we do on the wild, wild sweeping, sweeping generalizations. Yeah. Yeah. Is this is the very beginnings of the dismantling of patriarchal power. And it is ugly as hell. And it's frightening the shit out of people. And it's scaring the shit out of people. People do not like change. And the fact is, like, when I go back, going back to the system isn't broken, it was built this way. Mm. When the system starts to get taken apart and people are saying, actually, no, we have to do it a different way. We have to build it a different way. People get very scared. The humans are very afraid of change. And also they're afraid of losing the power. And a lot of people view, so people who have privilege view uh, equality as, uh, as an oppression because they have to lose some of their privilege for equality to happen, so therefore they feel oppressed. There's a lot of men who are going to feel oppressed when they have to give up some of their privilege. That's what they call political correctness, you see. That, that's, that's their, that's their those are just counter, but counter arguments. That's really. grand. That can be your counter argument. But those uh, are just, not wor- being, not th- being those are just words, obnoxious. and they're actually not true. Mm. So, wh- like, what's your next... Like, it's not true. Yeah. It simply isn't true. You have more privilege. We have we have statistics. We have we have data about this. Like we have a gender pay gap. We have like we have sec- we have violent we have cri- criminal statistics about what happens to women. Like every single day, I'm on Twitter and I just see. Well, that's, one- your, that's your first mistake. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> every single day, I see a headline about a woman who's been raped or um, violated or murdered or some depressing, awful, horrible thing. Every fucking day. Uh, or like women's knickers are being shown in a court. When have you ever seen a ma- pair, man's pair of underpants in a, in a court of law? When, when do you see like day after day after? Do you think, what, what do you think would happen if we had a week of this dude was killed that, like this, like in gender based violence? Mm. Like, but if women were killing men the way that men, men are killing women or men are hurting women, there'd be fucking uproar. Mm. There'd be uproar. Happy Christmas, everyone. <laughs> we have to talk about it. And this is why the arts is so important. I mean, because yeah. I, uh, I have a, my critique of the uh, artistic communities. That I, I'm not sure. And maybe I'm wrong on this. I don't think the vulgarity of the, of the, the Celtic Tiger years has really been given a proper expose no. in the theatre world or in the, or the artistic world. And the crash as well. And the lessons we've learned from that. Like, I think in the Irish context, the Civil War, War of Independence, the 1916 Rising, got a good, fairly, got a, got a pretty good, mm. you know, uh, really went for that. artistic uh, reaction to it from Yates and Mulcasey and all the rest. But I'm just still waiting for the, maybe it's too soon for people to write about book, but it's a pretty vulgar thing that happened to us 10 years ago. There's a huge amount of, of, of deep, deep wounds that have taken place the last 10 years. And I think into that space has to come the arts 
to speak the truth because well, it, politics it, ref- it politics reflects is, back to us so yeah, that we can learn to understand and Poli- we can connect to it and like, so we can I move have on. a vested interest all right and politics and politicians do have a vested interest in, in trying to apportion blame and blah 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 blah. but art should be above that speaking to the truth you know trying to learn as why these things won't happen again and I think there's a space that's been lost there Hopefully it happens soon. Why do I have to wait until September to see your play? Why do I have to wait to see the Doves win the Ireland again before I see your play? <laughs> it's ah, the question. And in the meantime, are you, is that your thing for the next, effectively a year, display and its production, or are you scribbling away as you... As you well, uh, no, this will be my thing because um, this show is going to go into rehearsal in July, which is not, it's a pretty tight turnaround. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to be focused on this play. And this play is really important to me. Um, do you get to do you, how much say? I mean, I'm probably asking too many questions. No, you're how much I'm, say do you have over like casting and well, sets I, and stuff? I mean, I'm I'm actually quite a collaborative person, and I have learned in my that's an absolute lie, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I have learned in my career that you need to pick your battles. Uh-huh. So I will, you know, like when there's things that I know that like I cannot. I cannot budge on this one. Like, this is the thing. I This is my little believey. I have to go for this one. But, you know, but generally, like, I mean, but so far, my voice has been really respected in the Abbey. Every, my opinion, they've been so kind, so welcoming. They've been, they've just been phenomenal. Like, really, really, I can't say enough good stuff about them. And, you know, I, I've been home for four months and to be within four months named an associate playwright at the, at the National Theatre and then to be told my play is going to be on in nine months' time is just phenomenal. Stunning, it's, stunning yeah. success. I'm a stunning success. Yeah, I'm Brilliant. just yeah, I'm okay. amazing. Okay, <laughs> you are. <laughs> but your granny danced for Hitler. Yeah, but my granny danced for Hitler. So what are you so, going to do? You know. Well, there you are. <laughs> I say a bit more. I'm going to find something about your family and oh, some fascists. Well, well, uh, fasc- well. Uh, Have you got any fascist stories from your family? No, you must do. not one Come of us on. ever joined Fine Gael. No. All right. Okay. No. No. <laughs> no. A few Fianna Fallers, but that's about it. All you right. Know, actually, mostly Fianna Fallers. In fact, I think I'm an outlier. Are you an? Yeah, I was about to say. Are yeah. you? Are you the? Are you the black sheep? Yeah, okay, maybe. For some people in my family, I probably am. Yeah. 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 No. Uh, grandfather escaped from jail. That's probably. So did my grandfather. Or not my grandfather. Not my grandfather, but a great granduncle of mine was escaped from jail from Kilmain Jail, I believe, because. Uh, what was his name? I don't know, but somebody brought in women's clothes. And this, isn't, this isn't the one, the the, the break in February 1921, with, with Frank Teeling and... Pa, uh, um, Again, I'm uh, loose on the facts. And um, his name escaped and he wrote the book. Anyway, there's a guy well, My family lived in Moore Street. A guy called Paddy Moore stayed behind, Moore and Paddy stayed behind yeah. and he got hanged the next day. Um, no, this would have been, this would have been, I think this would have been, I don't know, it would have been around that time. Again, I'm going to have to ask my dad. So my granny's dead. Um, so I can't but I did we did record a lot of stuff that she, to, she told us because my family are from Moore Street right and from which is the famous one is 16 is the list, mm. listed one they mm. were from 13 right yeah okay so yeah then there was well, the whole block is considered to be part of the, uh, the oh yeah the, they, the, they the, came the, through the, the walls yeah, the lads exactly. came through the walls yeah. to get away I saw the wall I did, I've, I've been on the site it's pretty impressive and when, when, and when it is eventually opened as a museum it would be fascinating yeah, that's amazing. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. Did, 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 he, did he escape for long? Did he get out for ages? I don't know. My granddad lasted a week. And then my grandfather was actually in the RAF. And well, that's a whole other story. Really? Yeah, he was kind of... Wow. He was, he was shall we say, coerced by and the And meanwhile, British. his wife is dancing for Hitler. This is so weird. I know, right? Was it his wife? Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't, think I don't know if they were married at the time. Wow. I know. He was a rear gunner in the RAF. This would be... This would be 
this will be your next play. Your next play is going to be Granny Dance for Hitler. Yeah. That'll be the title. There you go. It's you a catchy title. Say, you don't have to say anything else about it because everybody just go and say, well, I have to go and see that. Well, so this is going to be, um, we're going to take a break for the, for yeah, we're f- the Christmas. Yeah. Because so this, this is we're a, tired. So you should, you should well, yeah, you should you just listen to this every week for the next six weeks. Yeah. And learn more about the patriarchy. Yeah, learn about the patriarchy. And buy lots of tickets. Buy lots of tickets. As Christmas presents. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. So you can go on to um, abbeytheatre.ie. You yeah. can click on This Beautiful Village. Um, and you can you can actually buy tickets now. It previews August 31st. And but you then have it runs to decide to if you're still going to be talking to this person next September. Because you're buying the ticket for. And nine months is a long time in somebody's life. Ah, uh, yeah. You know? But you just, just hawk them on the street because it's going to be sold out. I mean, it it's is still, It's going to be the hottest It's probably already sold out. You're probably already too late. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, so that's your advice to people? That's my advice. Line. Yeah, buy people tickets to my okay, place. Okay, this, this beautiful village. This beautiful is it based village. on an actual village? No, it's not. Really? No. It's kind of Southside Village? Is it Southside <laughs> Village? <laughs> are you gonna, are you, is it Southside Village? Is it? Is it Southside Village? It is. Oh, my God. Oh my god! What oh if I god. said it wasn't? You know, actually, I have never read a Ross O'Carroll Ross O'Carroll Kelly can't. book. I, I couldn't. But, but that's but that's that's bring a hyper hyper. I couldn't bring myself to read surreal. that. I think my head would fall off. Yeah, but that's not like that's. I don't even know where that is. I can't even begin to because find when that I see funny. that, if I see that like whole door thing, I I just tune it out. But I don't see that. I live on the south side. I don't see that every day. There you go. Yeah, I don't see it. I mm-hmm. honestly don't. I don't know where. What's the name of the village? What's the name of, the, of this fictitious village? This, it's not a fictitious village. <gasps> it's actually set in an area. You'll have to wait, Aeon. It's the mystery. It's the mystery. Um, where is Russell Carroll Carol Kelly's stuff set? I don't know. I presume it's Black Rock or OCK Rock. Russell Carroll Kelly. Oh, okay. I think that's. I think that's the idea. Well, my granny was from Moore Street, and she ended up living in Black Rock. So. How bad? And she danced for Hitler, so. so. There you go. There you go. All right, so, well, listen, on that note. On that note, so uh, give them the instructions of what they have to do. Okay, so. Okay, listeners. Okay, listeners. Listen up. With First thanks of all, to Nearcast. Thanks Near to FM, Nearcast, Near John, FM, Casey. John, and, and Aeon, and uh, myself. Uh, please go online um, and listen to our podcast. Listen to me, I sound like an old granny. Uh, <laughs> go online and listen to our podcast. If you could leave go a review. Go on the computer thing. Go on the computer thing. Um, leave leave a nice review a nice review and share it as well share. and if you could rate it that would be great and you know take care of yourselves and have a nice Christmas have a nice Christmas and and, uh, and hopefully 2019 will bring better stuff than 2018 did and maybe an impeachment that would be nice all I want for Christmas is an impeachment listen well, who knows yeah, what's we'll going to happen we'll talk about yeah, that in the new year we'll talk about that in the new year alright okay. thanks goodbye bye